Hey everyone, on the podcast today we have Jamie and Heather Schneider of Folk Portraits, a husband and wife duo who are killing it in the photography industry. Named as Top 30 Rising Stars by Rangefinder Magazine and 2016 Grand Prize winners of the Wedding and Portrait Photographers International Competition. Jamie and Heather discuss their journey in the photography business, growing a worldwide known brand of documentary-style wedding photography for over a decade, and then ultimately uprooting from their home base of New Orleans to relocate in the Woodlands, Texas, to do somewhat of a reboot to their business model. Oh, and doing this while at the pinnacle of their profession. Jamie and Heather are two of the most passionate people we have had on the podcast and that we've actually even met, and their conviction for their vision and purpose is infectious. This is a wide-ranging conversation about their craft, about their diverse background, about the strategies and tactics by which they have grown their business, and nearly everything else in between. You can check them out at folkportraits.com, facebook.com slash therealfolk, and on Instagram at real underscore folk. While you're listening to this podcast, please be sure to send us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Also, don't forget to subscribe and download so that every Wednesday morning you can wake up to a new and fresh Everson Cooper podcast. Okay, without further delay, please enjoy our conversation with Jamie and Heather Schneider. Welcome to the Everson Cooper podcast. We are entrepreneurs that are interested in what makes people successful. In this podcast, we sit down with a wide range of people with diverse perspectives and backgrounds. We dive into the obstacles that they've had to overcome, their successes, unique experiences, and everything in between. Our goal is to continuously learn from those around us and share their knowledge so that we can all find something that makes us better and makes those around us better. We hope you enjoy. Jamie, Heather, welcome to the Everson Cooper Podcast. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Hi. All right, so we've had a chance to get to know you guys. Uh, we've had a lunch with you guys. Um, I think you guys have a really awesome story. Your, your company is super fascinating. You're uh, incredibly successful. You were a uh, top 25, top 30 worldwide wedding photographer. Um, just massive success with what you guys uh, have done and are continuing to do with folk portraits now here in the Woodlands. Uh, and where I want to start is you're not from the Woodlands initially, and you guys have only been here for a couple of months. Uh, you rerouted, you uprooted from New Orleans, uh, thriving business there. You uprooted, your family uprooted, your company, and you came to the Woodlands of all places. So how did you get to the Woodlands? You could have gone to Miami, Denver, you know, around the world. You guys are high in demand start right here with the woodlands so when we decided to pick up our entire business and family and change everything we did a ton of research so we wanted to make an educated decision so we did we i mean we love the mountains so we looked at colorado we looked at portland we looked at austin um and we did well there's no mountains in austin but we liked it well, I was seeing the mountains. And then we also looked at Austin and Dallas. Anyways, and we just did a lot of research and looking at, you know, demographics and income and quality of life. An and opportunity for our, for our kids. And areas that are growing, you know, and closer to other areas so we would have room to expand and grow ourselves. Um, the woodlands, hands down. Just made sense for us. We were 
before 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we were living in Washington, D.C. And then when we had our first daughter, we moved back home to New Orleans. And we had been in New Orleans for the past 10, 10 years, ten years, a little more than 10 years, and we were just ready for a change. A change, yeah. New Orleans is small, and we just were looking for... Somewhere we could grow. Grow. Yep. And, and the Woodlands was by far the best choice. And it's on a lot of lists of best places in the country to live. Yeah, so. we used to ride our bikes down the bike path back home when we were thinking about moving and we would go through the pros and cons of pretty much every major city. We were like Raleigh, Durham. I mean, you name it, we, we went down that, we explored it. Yep. Now, how long was that process when you determined that you wanted to you know, move out of New Orleans? How long was that process? And what cities did y'all actually go and visit? And like maybe had done some research, but you maybe you were already there for business as well, or you had gone to previously. Like, oh yeah, that's on my list. Right. Well, we thought about D.C. again. Mm-hmm. We thought about Nashville. We right. thought about Denver. We thought about Portland. We thought about Austin, Dallas. Yeah, yeah we, those were like the top ones. We did consider Raleigh, Durham, because it's on a lot of the list too. Yeah, we like the mountains and that that. Just no, but how long? So we had just bought our forever home. Yeah, so we, so, yeah, so the whole process maybe took about six months. Okay. It was a really quick decision. We had just bought our forever house. Yeah. It was like a 4,000 square foot, beautiful, built like in. Like everything I mean, we'd ever dreamed ever. that we wanted. And like, don't Great need neighborhood, anything more than every, that. Like, don't this, want anything. This was where we were going to be. Uh, and then a year and a half later, we sold it and moved. Like, we did not think that was going to happen. But, no. But we had, we had bought our house. Businesses, business was great. Um, and then just something clicked. We just said, we're re- you know what? We're ready to go to that next level. Well, I think we saw in our business, too, that we were doing great. But there was just, in that model of what we were doing, More there was just no room other for place. growth. Sure. We yeah. had kind of reached the pinnacle and we were like well we want you know yeah we were pretty ambitious people and we wanted we wanted more and the population you know just sheer numbers of back home don't fit of where we want to eventually be so talk a little bit about when you were in new orleans you guys were in new orleans for 10 years right uh doing um being wedding photographers uh incredibly successful wedding photographers and so now you're in the woodlands but your 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 business model is a little bit different Yes. Talk about what you guys did when you were in New Orleans uh, and then how that's different from what you're doing now. And I know that we'll, it'll take a little bit to unpack it and that's okay. Yeah. So we did have this studio in New Orleans. Uh, we were doing folk portraits in New Orleans and there was a little bit of an evolution there. Um, maybe I'm going several, maybe I'm going backwards. I don't know. Um, because it's folk portraits, but then there was an earlier version of it. It was called Dark Rue Portraits because the name of our wedding company is called Dark Rue, like a gumbo rue. Um, Ten years ago when we started the business, Heather came up with the name uh, because she cooks gumbo, and to make a good dark rue, it takes a lot of hard work, patience, and there's a fine line between getting it just right and burning it and ruining it. So that was kind of this philosophy that we that – we, took to our own work um but we were doing weddings i mean we yeah. we did do portraits as well because we were seeing our 
the the small percentage of our local clientele, wedding clientele, like they were growing and they were not just a couple getting married anymore. They were becoming families. Um, we had done some for people who had gone through some loss. And um, so with weddings, it's just very different. So people are actively looking for you because it's something on a list that has to get checked off. So um, yeah, and in we're this working every weekend. Right. I mean, we worked seven days a week. We still do. But I mean, like physically leaving our kids all weekend, every weekend. Was Yeah, that, I think that was the hardest part is as we got older, our lives kind of went to that next stage and we started to appreciate the little things in life. You know, when we first got into weddings, um, we did it because it was fun, it was exciting. Our first wedding ever. Um, so some friends of ours asked us to shoot their little elopement. We didn't want to do it. We thought weddings were for nerds. You know, we were like, no, that's not cool. I was, I was, I was taking, I was taking pictures of concerts. She was doing photos for like interior design type of things, you know, architectural photos. Um, so we finally did it on Mardi Gras day, and we were like, oh, this is fun. This is fun. Let's do, try it again. So we put an ad on Craigslist, shot our first wedding for seven hundred dollars. And we, we didn't even know you were supposed to get paid beforehand. Like no, after, they just like paid us like that day. We, after we're, we left, we were like, so I guess we get paid now? I guess we ask you awkwardly um, for money. So they, they paid us $700 and we walked. Wait, no, then they wanted us to stay an extra hour. Oh, yeah, it, was, we six, like, it okay. was $600. No, it was seven. It was 700 and then they wanted us to stay an extra hour. And we were like, okay, it's another 100 bucks. And they were like, okay. So then we did their wedding and we left and we walked around the corner. Yeah, and we bought crapped our pants we were like, we were oh, like my oh my god we god, just made, made 800 in one day taking like, pictures whoa. we were like, oh it was like the craziest day ever and we were like we'll do this for the rest of our life that was i'll dig ditches for this <laughs> yeah and we did it we did it for a really long time and yeah. we really genuinely did love it and honestly in the beginning so we had we've always had kids starting this and i think that has a lot to do with why we work how we work and, um, but we had, she was very small. We had one daughter and she was small. So it was like a full-time job in itself. And when we would go shoot weddings, it was time for Jamie and I to go. It was kind of like date night. Like date night. Like it was work, but it was date night. And then after 10 years and another kid, it, our kids are getting older. And we were like, okay, this really, like I want to be home on the weekends and I want to be gone all weekend. Right. But I, I just think that like, you know, why the switch from weddings to portraits selfishly it's more fulfilling for us. Um, I think people, like with weddings, again, it's something you check off of a list. But with something like portraiture and people that you love or pets that you love and something you're going to look at every single day on your wall, it's something that people want. And it feels great as an artist to have your work literally on a pedestal in people's homes. Right, right. So I think it's important to, to note where we're sitting because we have not quite gotten to the fact that we are sitting in this gorgeous yeah. studio that you guys just built out. Um, so you moved from New Orleans to here in the Woodlands. You obviously were doing weddings there and now here you're very focused on your portrait. So I really want you guys to tell us what is sitting here surrounding us right now that we are sitting here in your in your portrait studio so that our listeners can understand how you went from these gorgeous weddings to the impact that you're providing for people or, or giving to people on their lives. Um, that's not really a sentence, but anyways, um, <laughs> you know, with, with the photos yeah. that you're doing. 
So where we're sitting right now is in the lobby of our studio. Uh, I'm looking at the receptionist desk over to our right. It's very fancy. Yeah, yeah. Heather, all of all of all of the decor was picked out by Heather here. Oh, good for uh, you. So, <laughs> what we're surrounded by is some of our wall art collections. We wanted our studio to be almost a showroom of what we offer when people walk in, so they can say, "Wow, I really like this." collection. I really like this type of artwork. All of our artwork is handmade in Italy, so all of it is uh, Italian. Um, and it's all black and white. It's all black. That, that's a very important part of this. Um, <laughs> because when we firmly believe that like, you know, trends, especially in homes, like clothes, like things go in and out of style. And if you are investing in something to put on your walls, especially of your loved ones, you want to keep this forever and you want to make sure that it goes with anything so you can change every single piece of furniture the rugs the wall color and you wouldn't have to take any of the photos down right they would still go right um but more so than that so i feel like i'm I feel like i'm like skipping ahead for questions or something <laughs> no, no no this is no, no we we're not going to go in any specific order we're going to go where, yeah. where the conversation takes okay. us and i think this is a great spot to talk about what you guys are doing now you guys are here in the woodlands. Um, and we'll, we have time to unpack, you know, uh, you know, your your background and how you got where you got. And you spent time in Florida and DC or okay. whatever. But but no, talking about folk portraits here in the woodlands. You know, you guys are only black and white portraits, and there's a big story behind that. And then, and you guys, when we talked at lunch the other day, your passion for why you do black and white portraits definitely came out. And so that was a really cool time to be able to talk to you guys. And certainly you guys weren't doing a sales pitch at all, but man, hook, line, and sinker, because your passion comes out for that. You're like, look, man, it tells a story. It's timeless. Oh yeah, I can talk about black and white all day. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Okay, okay. Let's so we get asked a lot, why black and white? Um, some of our favorite photographers ever uh, shot a lot of black and white. Um, Richard Avedon. Helmut oh, Newton, mm -hmm. um, Annie Leibovitz. Well, she does a lot of color, but a lot, you know, um, her earlier stuff. Ansel Adams. Ansel Adams. Um, so anyway, so so black and white photography for us. Um, we not that we have anything against color, but we feel that black and white photography is just timeless. It's classic. Um, it's honest and it's free of distraction. We're not looking at someone's pattern on their clothes. We're not looking at bright colors. We're looking at them. We're looking at their souls. We're looking at the emotion. Um, and I was going to elaborate yeah. on that. So with doing portraits, especially, so we get to know people before they even come in to the studio because it is more than just a photo. And I feel that people coming in to have their portrait taken are really done a disservice if we know absolutely nothing about them and what they're going through. I have an example: um, the girl that came in on Sunday. Yeah, we had we had a we had a, a single mother come in on Sunday with two yesterday. kids. So had we not known anything about her, you know, easy like two kids and a mom come in and smile, and then you're out of the door. Okay, well her world had been completely flipped upside down recently. And her husband, for very unfortunate and unforeseen circumstances, is no longer around. And um, so it's just her and the kids, and this is pretty new. And instead of 
giving up or freaking out, you know, and I can't do this. I mean, she doubled down and she works two jobs now. Full time. Full time. Does it all by herself. Well, her dad does help. Her dad helps with watching the kids, but she's never, he, we talked to him too. Um, Well, hold on. Go ahead. Well, he's, she's never asked for money, but what she does is she wakes up at four in the morning, teaches um, Chinese kids how to speak English, and then goes to her job full time an hour away almost from her work, and then she gets home at six o'clock, and it's, she's cooking dinner, um, you know, bedtime, making sure the kids have everything. And it's just her. So she wanted to come in to do something to celebrate the strength that she shares with her family, just her and the, and the boys. And her dad, Jamie talked to her dad, told um, us that he, like, had he known she was gonna go through this in high school, he would've been like, no. Like, there's no way that she can do that. She's, and she was like, yeah, I was awful in high school. But anyways, but he said that it amazes him every single day, the things that she does. And in life, a lot of what we do too about black and white and having people stop for a second, sincerely with this, we want people to just stop. And a lot of times there are things that we know or we understand about each other, but it just goes unsaid because you just kind of, not that you take it for granted, but you just get wrapped up in the day-to-day of life. And so he told us that, and I, when she was here, you know, I let her know. I was like, we did talk to your dad, and we just want to let you know that your dad says that every day that you amaze him, and then she's just like, you know, crying and crying and crying. And we just let her know that, you know, she's doing an incredible job and that most people would not give up, but I mean, that's so much. And she does it every day. And so she has something on her walls that when it gets really hard and it gets to be too much, it's a picture of her and her sons and she remembers why she does it. But she also knows that her dad is there to help her and like thinks that she's doing an amazing job. And I think for us as strangers to hear her story and give her encouragement, it, it means a lot. Yes, the, the whole premise behind our work now is just to have deeper connections and to help people find deeper connections. and. Our goal when people walk out the door of our studio is is for people to be deeper in love with each other than when they came in, whether that's with their kids or their spouses or their family. Um, you know, there's a lot, you watch the news and there's a lot of bad news in the world these days and, and we just want to be this little ray of sunshine or, or positivity in any way that we can. Um, it, and photography is just the conduit of which we do that through but for us it's it's deeper than just taking pictures and making people say cheese yeah it seems like you guys put an incredible premium on the relationship it's not just oh show up take some pictures put them up on your wall hey man we're you know thanks for the paycheck uh you guys you you invest in the relationship because you want that relationship to be shown on their wall and you want it to be you really want it to be an investment it's not just oh it's going to be up there for a season and oh when the fall rolls around next year little johnny's going to take a different picture and exactly exactly and we we actually have turned people down before um, really yeah we won't shoot a family unless we've talked to everybody we won't if if dad if if dad doesn't if dad's not wanting to talk to us and be part of the experience you know we want to let them know if your family's important this is important and let's um, we also we have families. I'm sorry. We have we have people that ask, well, why can't we go? You know, I we want to take our pictures. We do everything in the studio, so everything we shoot is here inside the studio. Um, and we have people. Well, I want to, what you know, want to take our picture outside under the under these oak trees. Well, 
well, what is it about this oak tree that you love so much? Like, why do you want to get this picture? And like, it's not. And and again, if I, I take a picture of this tree, you're going to be this. You're going to be a little bitty person, you know, compared to this tree. So why is that there? If you're really, what people are looking for nowadays, we really believe is connection. That's why people go on vacation. They're looking to get time away to reconnect with each other. And that's what we want to provide. That same type of connection, that same type of reconnection with each other. And, and I think like kind of touching on what you were saying, I think a lot of uh, people do worry about when it's picture time, like more energy goes into like, what are we going to wear? Do we color coordinate? And it's just, it's not about that. It's not about Doesn't ma that matter if dad is it's not wearing about the same color as the baby or like right. that, that's, that's the least thing you're going to remember. That's not, you know, that's not what you want to do. But another thing I guess we could touch on, on black and white is there is another side uh, of that, that looks great in your home. Um, we really believe that black and white is timeless and it is classic. And if you want to hang something in your house and this is a piece of art that you're investing in to keep forever passed down, you don't want it to clash. You know, if someone comes in wearing a bright purple shirt and pink pants or, you know, whatever they're wearing, unless your living room is purple and pink, it's going to look out of place. You know, we used to shoot outside. We used, you know, years ago, we've done outside portraits and we had some of these big giant prints in our studio. Uh, one in particular, I remember we had this beautiful, she was a high school girl. Mm -hmm. um, the lighting, it, it couldn't have been a like more golden. perfect it was beautiful. green grass with the orange sun coming behind. It was amazing. And we had it in our studio and, and it looked out of place because uh, unless your living room is green and orange and with those tones, it's, it just doesn't click. You know, if you, and we've done the, we've done our own little digging and if you go on high-end furniture places like restoration hardware there's a, i know there's a bunch and you go to their artwork section look at their photography 99 percent of it is monochrome it's black and white because that's what's going to look best in your home and we are we do want this stuff to look great in your home so do you guys have a story about where the black and white came from as far as like you know you're doing your photography you said you were used to kind of do things outside or in color or kind of wherever and you've really refined that to know we are black and white in our studio and this is how we do things. Did something happen or did you experience something that got you to that or was it just a series of... I think it was the realization that it just became to some people so much more about what are we going to wear and where will we really want to go, you know, we wanted, we what wanted, time of day and this We wanted this to strip place. it all. We wanted to strip it down. We just wanted to strip it back down. We wanted to go with what felt right in our hearts, um, like Heather Cook's. Uh, we're huge foodies, and we believe some of the best food, you know, New Orleans is known for its great cuisine, but most of the stuff that's really remembered are very simple, simple recipes, and that's what we wanted to do. When we start adding too much, things get, mm -hmm. it, it becomes too much. Um, so we wanted to strip it back down to its pure form and really focus on the emotion and the connections and let that speak. Well, I really commend you guys because I think that the most successful people do stay true to who they are and what they're passionate about and where their skill set is. And it's so clear that you guys are so passionate about what you do, not only in the way that you speak about it, but when you sit here and look at all of these beautiful photos of these families and the kids. And of course, I love the dog photo. Um, you know, all these things that you guys have done to capture the important relationships in people's lives, I think is crucial and that will that is what I think 
clearly has made you so successful. You were successful with weddings and now have found out that that's just not a fit for your life anymore. And I know that being here in the Woodlands, you'll be so successful. And just transplants ourselves too. Like I always like to say the Woodlands is the best place to build a business and be an entrepreneur because everybody here wants everybody else to be successful and do well and they want to help and let me introduce you to this person and let's do this and let me help you promote that and it's just a beautiful place to do that and nobody here does what you do so we fall in love we, we really have fallen in love with the woodlands no and what you said is so true like i've met so many people who are just excited as we are about us being here uh, what we do and it's like we haven't been here that long we've only been here for six months and in that six months I feel like I have met just as many people and made just as many friends as I did moving back home to New if Orleans not, and living there for 10 years yeah and, and I'm not blowing smoke I mean like like genuinely like, really. like everyone yeah. just seems really nice and everyone really does want everyone else to succeed and anything that you can do to help each other and that I mean with a uh, rising tide what is it? <laughs> it rises all ships. Yeah, the tide rises all the ships. What's the saying? Right. Rising tide rises. <laughs> <laughs> rising, t the rising tide rises all ships. That, yeah. what he said. Uh -huh. <laughs> you're business owners, you're entrepreneurs, you work together, and you, of course, your parents as well. So, talk a little bit about that dynamic. Uh, I know that you mentioned, you know, you're huge foodies, and Heather, you cook. Um, so, there's a little bit of the, dyna the, the dynamic. Don't necessarily have to get into like parenting style and whatnot, but for the skills that it takes to run your business and run a, a you know, healthy and, and happy family as well, how do you guys complement each other? Uh, who's you know uh, we um, we did a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago with um, Donald and Zana Thompson, and they, same thing. They're not photographers, of course, but they're in real estate and they work together. Of course, their children are seeing them be parents. Uh, but also uh, be business owners together. So it kind of has that like dual dynamic. So I'm always curious uh, for you guys too, how does, how do you, how does that work? Um, you know, who's, is, is one person more analytical? Was one yes. person more like, no man, I'm, I'm hard charging forward. Forget the facts. I don't care about that. I, you know, I know my, well, you know, my it makes I want to answer first and then right. see what you it, say. Well, it makes things, it makes things easy that we're best friends. So that, Aww. that makes things easy. That's so sweet. We are best friends. Seriously. Like I don't want to hang out with anybody but him. We should get married. <laughs> no, okay, so I'm, I'm going to say, Jamie has always been, always, since we started a business, Jamie has always been the one, like, forging ahead. Like, we, if we're going to do something, we're going to do it the best that we can. If we're going to be wedding photographers, we are going to be the best wedding photographers. And we were, you know? And if we're going to do a portrait studio, we're going to have the best portrait studio out there. And he's the one who always is coming up with the ideas and the things that are going to move us forward. I definitely think that's... Yeah, yeah and, he's he the, and Heather is the brain. She handles the day-to-day. -day. I'm like the doer. The, he's the... Yeah, the I, emails, the, the, that type of thing. She, yeah. So I, I'm definitely on the other end of, like, just trying to get the marketing, the, the like she said, pushing forward. And I'm uh, the doer to make those ideas actually sure. go. Yeah, she's def <laughs> she definitely handles the day-to-day -day operations of the of the books and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you kind of did you know that those were your roles when you first started out, or you just kind of no. you melded into them? Like, yeah, oh, man, we kind of melded really into that. We so I've read a ton of business books. That's okay. all I read, and 
I remember early on I read the E Myth, and you know it talked about if you're the you know you have the, the, the three types you have the manager the you know so we we actually I remember we sat down it was years ago and we wrote on paper what our roles were I'll handle this you handle that um, now I know there's a little bleed over because you know we have had employees before moving here it's just us we do plan on hiring more people soon to help out because the workload is on a on a good it's good it's great it's it's ramping up quickly um so with it just being the two of us there's and we're still running dark rue back home too like so closing that yeah it's it's it, sure. that's while well, that ramps down this ramps up because yeah. it's yeah that's still in demand business yeah we probably get about what 10 is that emails a day people asking wanting us to shoot their wedding and it's hard to us. It's hard to just say no. <laughs> yeah. How long yeah. were you guys wedding photographers for? Ten for about years. the past ten, ten years. Ten years. And you were named top twenty-five. Top thirty. 30. Top we were we were named in two thousand sixteen. I think it was. Okay. It was. Uh, we were named one of the um, uh, top thirty rising stars of wedding photography in the world. How did that affect your business? Well, okay, so it's crazy. Yeah, that's a, that was seriously. That was yeah. seriously one of like the goals like the bucket list yeah. like if we're gonna do it was, this it was like, unattainable because we, we want to be on that list well we used to play this game um <laughs> so we were pretty we're pretty competitive and we're both very competitive when, so i think that has a lot to do with uh right when we shot success. weddings in new orleans when we first started we really didn't know what we were doing we never second shot for anybody we learned as we went we made up our own rules um <clears throat> i feel like i said rules weird no but and um, i feel like that's that is what made us stand out too we didn't learn when someone else was doing and so we were always influenced by how someone else had done it or taught us so we but, but we also we used, to play, way, we used to play this right? game yeah. where we we thought that we've always thought that when you own a business it's kind of like your, the game of life where you make choices and you end up where you want to be but the real funny part about it is 90 percent of the people in the world don't even know they're playing the game and they're just kind of going around but since we know that we're playing the game we can make these decisions strategically um, and we always wanted to say, you know what, today we're going to be the best wedding photographers in New Orleans. And we would stalk the other wedding photographers because you know, everyone the next day is like, oh, look at my best shot from yesterday. You know, and we're like, oh, ours is better. We're, you know, we're going to be better. <laughs> and then but that passion grew into well, we're going to be the best photographers in Louisiana. And then we said we're going to be the best photographer. Let's be the best photographers in the country. And why can't we be the best in the world? We've just always had that drive to to keep pushing, and, and you know, that game we would go home and check the other people's work. They didn't know they were playing the game with us, but but we were we were playing the game with them. So. To talk about that, <clears throat> talk about that process when you guys, I guess, found out or put it into context for us, because. Obviously, we are not in the photography uh, of what that, know, of what business that of the industry, uh, photography industry. Um, so, when you guys found out that you were on that, you know, top thirty list, talk about that moment. Talk about that time. Instant fear. Really? Yeah, because I was like, because that had been a big goal of ours, yeah. um, and then it, it, the inst it was instant happiness and depression. We were, did we just peak? I wasn't. Is is well, I was. I, Listen, I was well, happy. We were happy, but <laughs> but but a few minutes later, you know, in my mind, I was. Did we just peak? Is that it? What else is there to reach for? And is this as good as it gets? I'm gonna give a totally 
Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So we did, as we spoke, at, we speak at uh, photography conferences sometimes, and we did a speech one time about how that, like, not that specific award, but winning awards, it's awesome, and it's validation, but the only people who care about it, who really care about that award are other photographers. You know, most people haven't even heard of WPPI, or they don't know. So, if people who don't know, WPPI is who Wedding named and Portrait us. Photographers International. It's an international organization who pretty much oversees that. That. Rangefinder Magazine. Yeah. Anyways, so, so we got that, right? And we're like, okay, yeah, we're like top 30. And I have to say that, like, business wise and numbers wise, it didn't add a single dollar in didn't. our pocket. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Really? No. Like, the people who were actively looking for a wedding photographer would see it and be like, oh, okay, cool. But it didn't really matter right. to them at the end of the day. No. That's so interesting. So where were your goals? Like, what happened after that? So you said you were excited. Jamie, you were instantly afraid. Right. Your business didn't change, which is, I guess, good it didn't go down, but it also didn't, like, the phone wasn't ringing necessarily off the hook or more. Yeah, so, our phone, our phone so was what, already... Right, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you guys are already hugely into it. It was already there. Fine, and then we got it, and I think it was more self-validating, like because that was a goal of ours. We were like, we want to do, and we did it. We were super grateful, still, still to this day. I know it's really cool to be able to say that. This special club, yeah. It's really cool to be able to say that, but it was just a big realization, business-wise, that you don't. Awards don't do anything for us. The real, the, the real work reward, is what does it. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. when it comes to weddings, we're only as good as our last wedding. Sure. You know, it's it's if our last wedding we shot was garbage, then then, then we've just become garbage, and we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. I like how you said that you like everybody's playing the game of life, but most people don't know that they're playing it, and it's so true. And it sounds like you guys really like take ownership and take charge of the things that you want in your life and in your business and you're just like we're doing this we're gonna figure this out and go after it and maybe you're scared along the way but you're doing it anyways and i just think that that's so so but that's always my big like important thing when i hear people say stuff like that is the takeaway like you have to set the goals out there and then you just have to go Mm -hmm. after it and push through the fear and do it anyway because you'll get there and you'll get to what you want and then You'll have, you know, then you can set another goal and and do it again. And Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I just think that that's cool. But you have the choices. The whole point is, like, you can make those choices to make that goal, to get achieve that goal or make the choices to not. Exactly. Yeah. And and the fear is a real thing. And I think that we do a really good job of, like, I'll have moments where I'm, like, what did we do? You know, like, we... (laughs) We just moved away where we had it great. What did... And we're starting all over, pretty much, with this new business. You know, like, no, we should do. (laughs) We should should just move away and change it all up. Everybody everybody back home thought we were crazy. They were like, yeah, they thought we were crazy. They were like, why? But also, Jamie said, too, but what I was trying to say is that we balanced each other out. I'll have days where I'm like, what did we do? And he's like, we got this. We got this, you know, we just got to keep going. And then he'll have days where he's like, I don't know, man. And I'm like, we got this, we got this. But um, I was going to say something else and I forgot. But people thought you were crazy when you were moving. Well, we wanted, and Jamie had a lot to do with this. Like, I really love the idea of like quitting, like when you're like at your peak, 
you know, instead of like slowly fading away over the years and years and you just kind of get like forgotten and you're like struggling yeah. so to try to get some jobs, you know? W- wedding photography is great, but it's also a young man's game or young person's Young person's game. Um, so I'm 38. My back and my knees aren't what they were 10 years ago, especially after hunching over shooting weddings, you know, all the time. Um, but I, depending on how far this podcast goes, I could probably get some flack for this, but the wedding photography is changing. The industry's changing. Um, we, we know without naming names, a lot of some of the world's most famous wedding photographers who just a few years ago, you, you couldn't, you couldn't get, now they're calling us freaking out that the, that the things are slowing down. Things are changing. What are they going to do? Um, so we, we, we didn't want to, I didn't want to wait. We didn't want to wait until we were at that point sure. right? Yeah, to then, to then go, well, what do we do now? You want to be proactive. I don't want to be business. 48 years right. old trying to connect. Well, or, that's the thing. So the average age of people getting married, typically, of course, are ex- mid twenties, mid twenties, early third, like that, like right. right in there, like that is the average age. And the older we get, that group stays the same when, age. You know, 10 years from now, when I'm 48, <laughs> pushing 50, it's just like, what does he have in common with the 26 year old girl? Right. Right. Like, no, I, I think that's that's a, an astute business move, though, too. Um, you know, the, people can say that there's, you know, criticize you for whatever reason. But I th- in my opinion, I think that's an astute business move. You're like, look, we know that at some point we can get out of touch with this or just completely disinterested. And for a business owner, if you're disinterested in what you're actually doing, I think it's always bad for business. And so you guys realize that you were honest with yourselves. You're like, hey man, let's mix it up. You know, let's, right. let's, let's, you know, completely change this all together. Yeah, our hearts compl- just moved. Yeah. yeah. And so I want to back up a little bit because you guys t- uh, touched on, you know, one of your goals was getting on that list. One of the, you know, top, you know, rising stars mm-hmm. in uh, wedding photography. So I want to go back to when you guys started the company and what were some of the goals along, along the way? It was, you know, just small goals like, hey, let's just shoot a wedding and we not, you know, have our phone ring in the back of the, uh, you know, <laughs> sanctuary or, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, what are some of those goals? Because a lot of our listeners are, are looking for what are other successful business owners doing? What are the types of goals that they're going after? And what's that process look like? How many times did they stumble over themselves before they actually hit their goal? And what was their journey like? Uh, one, of the, one of the pieces of advice that I had gotten early on, which was great, was we were told to fail and fail quick before we had a name for ourselves, before make all of our learning mistakes early on, um, which I think we did, because we did. We, 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 we stumbled and we, there were things we didn't know and um, spent money on things we didn't need. But I think, I think early on, I've always had a pretty clear vision of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do for my family. Um, I grew up pretty poor. Um, my parents never never did without, but we just, you know, I shopped for new clothes in high school at Walmart and things like you know. So like we just, I have a lifestyle that I want my family to have, um, and I was we were gonna do whatever it took to to make that happen. And and for us it was, I don't know if this sounds stupid, like probably. <laughs> it's just I think I think knowing what you want in your own life, and just like you said 
then knowing what your business has to do to support that helps you make business decisions. That way you're just not floating and not you're just not making decisions because you think you need to make them. You know strategically what you have to do. I have this goal of X amount of dollars or X amount of business or... Or I want this size house. Like I want to live in a certain size house right. and it costs a certain amount of money. And what does my business have to make to sustain that? So what do I have to do to sustain that? And of course, like when you get there, you're like, okay, now what do I want to do next? And I think, I think especially in our industry, um, and I know there's some several industries as well, where there's a low barrier of entry, where I don't need a doctorate degree, I'm not curing cancer, um, where people can get into an industry pretty easily, that it's hard for them to start valuing themselves to where they can properly charge or or for their services. And, and I, I think a lot of that sometimes comes from, self, I don't know, I wanna say self-doubt, but just they're not fully aware of what they're capable of. Um, certainly, we shot our first wedding at $700. Not that we should have been charging more than that at that time. No, not then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> um, but I, I, think, I think that was a... And I think a lot of people too, especially talking about photographers, because it's something like artsy and so it's artsy people and typically you're either artsy or your numbers in business and no matter what you go into no matter what it is or how much you love it or if it's your hobby or if it helps people at the end of the day it is a business and you have to remember that and you have to remember that what you're doing is part of it but running the business is bigger than that and you have to make sure that, and this is big for us too, is that we want, you have to make sure that what you're doing is providing value. Um, and we, we, it's our goal to provide as much value for families that come through here as possible. We want to give people an experience that they've just never had. And you touched on a really good point that I do think a lot of small business owners, at least in my experience, meeting a lot of different people now over the last two and a half years that we've had this company, people do have a hard time putting the proper value on what they offer. And I think a lot of people, uh, and I certainly don't want to talk too much in generalities, but a lot of people undervalue. And it's because not, not because they may, for, for, for a number of reasons, but and I like that you touched on that point because you might be in an industry that has a low barrier of entry, but okay, now you have to find how do you add value, because that's a great point, and you have to be able to articulate that, one, in your work, but then when you're talking, when you're trying to win new business, you have to be able to articulate that to uh, you know the, your customers, your clients, and I think that's a lot of times is lost um, when people are starting out, and I think you guys, and certainly you guys aren't starting out now, but you're starting in a new market and you're kind of starting a new segment of your business. And you guys, I think, are incredible at that. You've, you've spent an incredible amount of time honing that skill uh, and knowing, look, look, this is how we add value. This is what we do well. And it's definitely worth it. And it, I mean, it shows. You know, when people come in here and, and look at your studio and look at your website, I mean, it, I, I think it, it definitely shows. So you guys are, I, I, I love it. You guys are definitely on the right track. This is, this is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we've got big plans. We, we still have goals where we want to go beyond this. And 
Well, we had a business mentor. He's our friend now. Yeah. But when we first, 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 first started getting into photography and like our wedding business. Yeah, Fundy. Fundy. Andrew Thunderbird, if he hears this, he's like mm -hmm. a huge reason yeah. why we did so well in the beginning. He showed us the Simon Sinek's TED Talk on Start With Why. Yeah, it was a long time ago. And I like sincerely ago. feel that like anyone who goes into business, that's the first thing that they should figure out why figure they're even out. doing it. And if you if everything is in line with that, then you're good. And I also think that if a, a big one for for me is find a mentor. There there are people out there who are willing to help. Um, some just, paid and some would, for free. You would be surprised just writing an email in in a going about the right way, you know, not necessarily going into the relationship, which is what I can get out of this, but finding a way to get in and connecting with people um, and doing your research. And I know I read a lot of business books, but if you're trying to own your own business and, and do something like that, I mean, we're all, we all take 30 minute breaks on the toilet, you know, I mean, just like <laughs> there are, there, there are times like there is time in the day, even if you think that you don't have enough time in a day, there are times when you're playing on your phone or that you could be putting a little more effort into something yeah. because, and, and, this is, and this is something else too, that we, I remember we talked about this at Mystic, no matter how bad you want something, there's somebody on the other side of town who wants it more than you. And they might not have kids and they might not have the responsibilities that, that you do, but that means you're gonna have to stay up longer. You're gonna have to work harder because there is somebody on the other side of town willing to do it cheaper. They, they, they want it just as bad as you do. So you're gonna have to make those sacrifices to get what you want. You mentioned a book, The E-Myth, uh, and I'm actually currently reading that uh, book. I mean, it's fantastic, and I think it that is a must-read for every business owner, and I'm surprised, and, and, and us as well, we read a ton of books, uh, and we've learned a ton. We, same thing, you know, mentors as well. We, we try to surround ourselves with as many people that have done things and failed before us and, um, you know, all that. All that. But in The E-Myth, talks about, um, the author talks about you can't, uh, you have to work on be able to work on your business. You have to work on your business. Not in it. Not yeah. in it. You can't always just work in your business. And I mean, you mentioned that. Like, look, if you can't set aside 30 minutes every day, then you're probably not really going to be that successful. Or you're going to get to a point where you're plateauing and you're not gonna you're not gonna know how to get past that because you're just working. You're constantly working in your business. And I think that's a huge key for every business owner. All right, so I want to back up a little bit. You guys have not always been in the photography business. Nope. And I want to give a little, a little bit of context. Uh, and, and I swear to goodness, if the, the people that are listening to our podcast, they could put this little segment on loop. Every single person that somehow we end up talking to goes through a transition. Elizabeth and I had been through, through a career transition. We both used to be teachers. We're not teachers. We transitioned out of that. There were challenges. There were things we learned along the way, uh, things we learned from our previous uh, you know, career. You know, so you guys have not always been in photography. You have differing backgrounds, and I think that actually adds to your experience. It gives you a different perspective. And so, talk a little bit about that. You don't have to always. You don't have to go back to birth. We're not necessarily looking for that. But you know, talk about. You know, again, you guys are both from Louisiana. Um, talk a little bit about growing up in the New Orleans area. What that means to you, uh, but then kind of what you guys did previously uh, to opening Dark Rue Portraits? I 
started, I had a pretty, I grew, like I said, I grew up poor. So I got my first job at 14. I lied on the job application and washed dishes at Waffle House. I've always had a job, um, no matter what. Uh, I think there may have been a couple points for like a month or two in college or something where I didn't have something. Um, but I ended up getting a degree in audio engineering. Uh, so did Heather, not at the same time though. Um, and when I got out of college, I got a job at a recording studio and quickly learned that I got a degree in being the milkman because it's just a job that doesn't exist anymore. There's a very, very small um, workforce out there. So I started doing uh, corporate audio concerts. I worked on a lot of big name bands in Florida. And, um, and I remember for me, the transition was I was at lunch. She's rolling her eyes because she knows the story. I'm like, don't tell the story. I was, I was at lunch. Um, I was a roadie, you know, I was an audio guy. Um, and the crew was eating lunch and everybody went around the table, not talking about their, uh, not about their only time, but just their first time booking crack. And it was at that time I looked around and I was like, this is, uh, sorry guys, I don't have any crack stories, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and it, it was time to reevaluate. Uh, so at that point I went corporate audio, uh, moved to Washington DC, uh, second day on the job, I did audio for President Bush. Uh, and then a fellow was, who was moonlighting for me ended up helping me get a job and, and I helped run the academic technologies department at George Washington University. Um, and that's where I was working at, uh, when we got pregnant with our first daughter. And I ended up moving to New Orleans and getting a corporate job with Shell Audio. I was the senior video teleconferencing and audiovisual support engineer for those guys. Shell Oil. Shell Oil. I said Shell Audio. Oh, sorry, Shell Oil. Um, and it was very quickly then that I said, this is not where, where I belong. And then we started on this other journey. Yeah, so I, so my mom went back to school when I was, I want to say 10 or 12, uh, to become a nurse. And, you know, she did that with two kids, and my dad was self-employed. He wasn't really like, doing anything like balling, you know, <laughs> like he wasn't, you know, but he all, my dad, like he worked for another company for a very long time. And then there was a point in his life where he's like, I don't want to work for anyone else. I'm done. I'm, I'm just, even if I don't make that much money, I'm just going to do what I want to do. So I think I get a lot of that from seeing my dad just do what he wants to do and not work for someone else. And then my mom going back to school with two kids, I knew that you could really do anything. Like there's no excuse. So I also got a job, my first job when I was 15, like as soon as I could legally get a job and work, I did because I just, I wanted my own money. I hated having to ask my parents, can I have some money? And then if they gave me money, I always, like I wanted more money, but I didn't want to ask them for more money. So I just went and made money, you know? So I worked in restaurants and I worked in restaurants for a very long time and, um, I did everything. I started as a hostess and I worked my way up to a waitress and then I was a bartender and then I was a manager. So when we lived in DC, I managed a restaurant on Capitol Hill. And then when we moved home, I didn't wanna work because um, I just had a baby. But we, again, were broke, <laughs> really broke. So I had to go do something. So I just got a part-time job bartending at night at like the busiest restaurant in town. 
And I did that for a little while and I was like, well, I don't wanna be bartender mommy forever. So I went back to school. Um, oh, and I always knew growing up that I wanted to do something creative and that I wanted to own my own business. I just didn't know what it was, you know? So I went to LSU for mechanical engineering because I like math. I hate math. So I did that for a, you know, a semester and I was like, okay, so really what my life is gonna look like is me sitting at a desk, like designing like shaft bearings on CAD all day. That's it, just sitting at a computer draft and I just like that's boring and I was 19 so I was like I'm gonna be a rock I'm not be a rock star but like work with rock stars she wanted to kiss a rock star oh stop it <laughs> so I also went and got an audio engineering degree but out of school I like so I worked at House of Blues in Florida and so there's a venue side and there's a restaurant side so I got my foot in the door at the restaurant side because that's what I had always done and a little quick story about that too so I went in and I was super nervous for my little waitress interview, like super nervous because I wanted that job so bad. And I knew I messed up. Like I knew it did not go well. I was like, man, that, that sucks. So I walked outside and I looked at Jamie and I like stopped and I was like, I'm going back in. I'm going back in. I totally messed it up and I'm going. So I went back in and I looked the guy right in the eyes and I was like, look, I really messed that up because I was super nervous. But I promise you, if you hire me, I will work my ass off to prove to you that you made the right decision. And so they gave me a job. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so I did that for a really long time to get my foot in at the venue on the other side. And I worked over there for like a very short period of time because they would only paid $6 an hour. And so I went back to restaurants and then stayed in restaurants, moved forward. Didn't want to work in restaurants forever, so I needed to go back to school. So I went back to nursing school, got prereqs, went to nursing school, but that's when we were starting our photography journey. And one of us had to really baby it and do it full time. Mm -hmm. And Jamie at the time was the one with the job, with the insurance. income and the insurance and the stability, you know. So I was the one to quit nursing school and, you know, and Jamie hung on as long as he could do his yeah. other job. Yeah. But, um, and that's, that's how we did it. That's amazing. I love the, the audacity that you had to go back in there and be like, that's I messed this up, but give me this job. Like, that is so cool. Thanks. That's just so bold. And I think that that translates into all the things that you've done over the years. You're yeah. like, no, I got this. Like, I'm going to be awesome. Well, I think for any job, like you see that persistence and you see like, you go back and you you would you admitted you took responsibility like look that didn't go so well <laughs> but i tell you what if you give me a second chance it's going to be great and mm -hmm. yeah like good for them for for saying yeah i think this would be good <laughs> yeah that's awesome <laughs> Very cool. okay so i want to transition a little bit <clears throat> not talk so much about business not that that's you know a bad thing or anything like that um but you know of course our listeners can't see but if they look at you guys website or you know check you guys out on social media you guys have some tattoos, which are actually pretty cool. So again, I'm always a curious guy, and I'm sure our listeners are, you know, roll their eyes every time I say I'm a curious guy. Do you have a favorite tattoo, or like your first tattoo, or one or two highlight that had like cool story or cool, cool meaning behind it? So I have a lot of tattoos. I think I have, last I counted, I think I have 68 tattoos. Um, 
I got my first tattoo on spring break when I was 18 or 17. It was terrible. Um, but I think probably, I have a bunch of tattoos that mean a lot to me and I have a bunch of tattoos that are just jokes. Sure. Um, but I think the most meaningful one is right here on my arm. It's kind of a World War II tribute piece to my grandfather's. Um, my mom's dad was a glider pilot in World War II. Um, and my dad's dad was a uh, gunner in a B-17 bomb, bomber and was actually shot down and spent almost two years in a Nazi camp. Wow. So I have, it's kind of like a tribute piece to my grandfather's in my arm. I never served in the military. I wanted to, but couldn't. Um, and so I think that's, and I have a couple of tattoos dedicated to my daughters that I really like, that I really are fond of. I have, I have a tattoo on my ankle that says beer. I just, some of, some of them are pretty random. <laughs> now, do your grandfathers, do they know about that tattoo? Do they know the story behind the tattoo, uh, obviously? Yeah, they, well, they both passed away. Okay. Uh, how long has that been? Beta, been beta was probably, what, four? Mm -hmm. Like six, seven years. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but no, I, I had these tattoos back when they were still alive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah they knew about it. They liked that, it. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. Alright, Heather, you're up. And then, so, I think the one that sticks out most in my mind, I got my first tattoo when I was 16. Yeah. I was like, uh, was hidden, and it's like a, take that, mom, even though they didn't know, you know? Yeah, anyways. Um, I'm grown up. So I think it's, yeah. I, think it's <laughs> I think it's this one, this one on my arm, because it's, it was, at the time, the biggest one that I had, and, um, well, besides it wasn't my leg, but this is the one that's like, was the most visible and the biggest just this woman and I got it because you know I have two daughters obviously I'm a woman and I just got it as a when I got this one to me it was more of like I'm never ever going to work for anyone else ever again because when I got these on my wrist I was in nursing school and I had to cover them up every day and it was so stupid because I'm like rubbing makeup on patients you know so this one this big one was like the commitment of like I don't have to worry about job interview ever again. Like, we're gonna do this and go women. <laughs> you know, like, like that's what, you know, like. <laughs> I like oh, that's it. cool. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I do like it. <laughs> okay, so another one of our, you know, Everson Cooper frequently asked questions, or I guess it's becoming a frequently asked question, is um, your chronotype. And so I know we kind of talked about that a little bit before we started recording. And so there's a book called The Power of When, um, W-H-E-N. Um, and it describes and kind of helps people channel their, their chronotype. And what that means is, are you an early riser? Are you, you know, 6 a.m., 7 a.m., you're ready to get the, you know, take the world by the tail? Uh, or are you a late riser, you know, 11 a.m., noon, but, and so you're a bear? Uh, are you a night owl? Are you are you are, are you the wolf that you know all hours of the night, but you're you know pounding out some work, you're being really productive, uh, or you're a dolphin, which means you're just all over the place. One day you're up at 5 a.m. you're pounding out emails, drinking espresso. The next day you don't wake up until 1 p.m. because you were out all night and whatever. And so I'm always curious, you know, what um, what do you think? It, it, even if you may not have an idea, because I don't know if everyone really thinks about it that way. I certainly didn't until about a year and a half ago when I read the book. So if you could channel your inner chronotype, what, what do you think you are? I'm an early riser, so I, I definitely do my best in the, in the morning. I know Heather is the complete opposite. I am the opposite. So I wake up, I'm ready to go, 
and I'm like, come on, let's get going. She's like, uh, you know, but at nighttime, it's like 10 o'clock at night. She's like, we should really stay up and do this work. And I'm like, I will do it in the morning. Right. So I'm like at work. I mean, at work at night, I'm still awake, but I'm like still working. What animal would you call it? Oh, you said wolf, and I like that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, there's, so there's four different types. There's Super the lion that's up early. There's the bear that's the late riser. There's the wolf that, you know, is of course the, you know, the, the night owl. Um, I guess I'll do a lion. Owl. Lion's cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll do and then a there's lion. the dolphin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't so. think I'm a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Heather, you're the you're the you're the wolf. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I get just as much accomplished, but it just is a different part of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if I could sleep every day until like 10 o'clock. That's my dream. It's my dream. But I would stay up until 2 a.m. working. Sure. It's right. just a right. shifted. Yeah, and I, I like to wake up early. Yeah, yeah and that's, a, that's kind of the point of the book. You know, I, not everyone can channel their you know, chronotype because, of course, if they work for someone else, if they're in you know, nursing or whatever, they might have all crazy hours. They may be a, a lion, but they've got to do the overnight shift or whatever. But it's, it's kind of the if you can channel that if you own your own business if you can make your own schedule to a point then yeah if you're productive at 6 a.m man get up be productive at 6 a.m but you're in bed at nine who cares because you're you're being productive and vice versa if you're the night owl but you're up till 2 a.m 3 a.m it's not necessarily watching netflix you're working you're getting stuff done but you're sleeping till 11 a.m it's funny because i used to be a night owl like i used to i mean i would stay up till the sun i wouldn't go to bed till the sun came up but that was that was before children. Yeah, I think that's just being yeah. young. Yeah, that was way before kids. <laughs> so you guys, you mentioned some books. Uh, you talked about the E Myth. Start with why. Uh, talk a little bit more about you. You read tons of books. Um, highlight a couple, you know, three or five other books that really stick out to you. That man, these just stay with me every single day. I really love. There's a book called Rework. Um, I'm trying to remember who wrote that book. Rework. It's a great book. Um, that one's an incre- it's, it's really short. Well, it's not a short book, but it's it's really easy to read because everything's a little quick. Um, I love. <laughs> sorry. Um, our kids are back there laughing. Um, I really love the Purple Cow by um, Seth Godin where it really talks about making something unique, making your business stand out. Um, And there's another book I read called, It's a Jungle in Here by, what is his name? He's the fellow who invented um, Rainforest Cafe about how he got turned down about a million times. It was was about persistence and really getting a business going, uh, even when no one believes in you. You know, or your it, idea it, 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 seems crazy. Well, it was it was about proof of concept and how he he turned the inside of his house into a rainforest cafe for years because he had, he would get these investors and they would he would drag them to his house and be like, look, and everybody was like, what the hell is this guy's weird, you know? He's like, but he had this dream of what this could be. Um, so I really relate to, especially since we're doing something so out of the box and so different. That um, yeah, that was a really great book. It's a jungle in here. Awesome. Okay. All right. Heather, do you have anyone, any that you want to uh, add? No, I'm going to be honest and say that I get a lot of the cliff notes of these books from Jamie. Uh, you know, like... Uh, I read them and give her the notes. Yep. 
I'm not gonna so lie. What I'm, I, I'm the mom. Like I do a lot of mom stuff, yeah. and like while I'm doing mom stuff, you know. And, yeah, but he'll he'll will like highlight it and yeah, like every type book, them out. Every book I read, I go through with a highlighter, and as I read, I highlight everything. And then when, when I'm done with the book, I go in Evernote and I type out everything I've ever highlighted and make my own like clip That's notes. That's a great idea. And he'll like sit down with me and be like, "We're gonna go over." These are this. the important parts. <laughs> yeah. You know, so like I have. <laughs> absorbed from him. That's, how, well, that's how you make it work, you know, because you know, obviously you have two children uh, who are, you know, they're busy with their own lives and they're growing up and, you know, you might have to get them off to soccer camp or wherever, but so that's how you make it work where, okay, he's the one that can sit down and really read it from cover to cover. They're fine. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, so if, if the listeners, I don't know if the listeners will hear, but their kids are having fun in the back. Who cares? They're yeah. watching Fuller House, and yeah, I'm kind of jealous. They're watching yeah. Fuller House, having the best time of their life. I don't know yeah. if you just heard me whisper, I'm going to go kill them. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. It's all good. No, no, that's great. That's that's what I love about podcasting is uh, we can keep that in if we want. We can edit it out if we want. Who cares? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real life, y'all. It's silly organic. Yeah. We won't really kill I'm them. not really going to kill yeah. them. <laughs> <laughs> like, disclaimer. Like, yeah, disclaimer. disclaimer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's how you make it work. You know, that's the dynamic. That's that's what you do. That's how you make it work. And so good for you uh, for, for mm-hmm. doing that. That's awesome. Uh, and just on, on the on the kids' note, uh, if anyone listens to um, the Jackie and Christine Battle podcast, uh, we were at their house. We were actually on location at their house, too. And their kids were upstairs, and you could hear them, like, you, you could hear the kids like you know wanting their you know, their mom and dad and and Christine like she was really uh, she wasn't upset she was like oh my gosh like I'm so sorry and we we're like who cares right. like, yeah. you, you gotta do it man yeah, it doesn't yeah. Matter. I mean there's just times where I'm like I have kids like I'm like you know I'm a mom what you gotta do you know or like if you're at your house and the phone rings and and you're trying to take a business call or something and your dog barks. You know, oh my gosh, all the time. Right, and there's just a point where you're like I'm sorry, I have a dog. Right, like I'm yeah like. Most people understand. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I swear, yeah, Cooper will do that. He'll be, like, silent all morning, and then my phone will ring at, like, 1030, and he's like, starts barking. I'm like, dude, you, right. could, you had two and a half hours to, just, like, get this out. Right. Like, nothing happens, but the second you sit down to do yeah. a podcast, like, they deliver something to the front door. Oh, yeah. You know, and the dog's, like, going bananas. Yeah. We can't do, we can't have Cooper in the room when we podcast at our house oh, no. because he'll sit on the floor and he'll go, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like we have a heavy breather in the background of our podcast. It's real creepy. So yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, he gets hilarious. pretty mad when we have to put him in the other room. All right. I want to be mindful every time you guys have a family, of course, you know, yeah, huge good. growing yeah. business. Um, talk a little bit more. I'm sorry. Where can the listeners find you guys? Your, your website uh, on, on social okay. media. So we uh, our website is folkportraits.com. Uh, I can real quick say that we named our company, this portrait studio, Folk, uh, because we believe that folk is people, it's stories, and it's community, and that's what we wanted to be. Um, so website is Folk Portraits. We're on Instagram at real underscore folk, and Facebook, I believe, is facebook.com slash real underscore folk again or real folk the real folk the, oh yeah she's right it's facebook.com the real folk it's hard to get social media names names oh, these yeah. days that aren't already taken. Yeah. yeah um yeah some guy has like just folk something and i was and he's got like one picture on there i'm like oh <laughs> you ruined you blew it you blew it um 
So yeah, I think that's pretty much where we're at. I, I know a lot of people here in this community are, are Facebook heavy, coming from Louisiana. Everybody was on Instagram, so we're trying to play catch up on populating Facebook stuff. Um, anybody that looks them up needs to come in here and get their photos done. Yeah, for um, sure. It's amazing, and I'm Thank so you. excited to do that for us. And it's they're very talented, so come check them out. Yeah, yeah. Check out their website. Check them out on social media. See a lot of their work. Uh, come into their studio. Um, yeah, keep up, keep up the good work. Thank you. This has been, hey, fun. This been fun. I feel right? famous. <laughs> we appreciate you guys just taking the time and letting us infringe on your evening and sharing yeah. all of your stories Thanks. and all the things. It's been awesome to hang with y'all. Yeah. Cinnamon. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much.